Next next week, next Sunday night, man, we got a um, a tough deal. We're going to play a benefit for a child that's not born, doesn't have any kidneys, going to die within a couple of days of coming into this world in May. Uh, we're going up there to do a benefit. That's a tough thing. So y'all remember us. We'll be gone next Sunday night uh, that we can pull that off. We, we've done some funerals. We've done a little bit of everything, but it's, it's tough, tough when you got a young child involved, I tell you. Uh, ma'am, sir. Turn that thing up so I can hear. They got some activity. All right, Tim. Well, I looked over Jordan and what did I see? Coming for to carry me home Up and the angels coming after me Coming for to carry me home Swing low, sweet cherry Coming for to carry home Swing low, sweet cherry Coming for to carry me Before I do, come and for to carry me home. Tell all my friends I'm coming through. Come and for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet cherry. Come and for to carry me home. Swing low, sweet 
Sometimes up and I'm sometimes down Coming for to keep me home I know my soul is heavenly bound Coming for to keep me home Swing low, sweet cherry Coming for to keep me home Swing low, sweet cherry Coming for to keep me While they're headed back to their seat, I'll tell a little story. You boys know the Cooper Road Band, Bluegrass, from Malvern? Y'all ever heard of them? Kenneth Prince? Ever heard of him? Anyway, it's a group out of Malvern plays bluegrass. And uh, the banjo player's son is a member of our church. And a few weeks, a few Sundays ago, he come in, said Dad was in a little fender bender and called us. And so we got jumped in the car and run over there real quick to make sure he was okay. And we get over there and he's standing outside. The ambulance is there and they're standing outside and the car's... Got a big old den in it and stuff. It's going to be all right, though. And he they checked on him. He was all right. He was okay. And But they wanted to take him to the hospital. Just you know, He's an older gentleman. And wanted to make sure he was okay. Check him out. And so they go to put him over in the ambulance. And the banjo was already in the ambulance. Ready to go. <laughs> Making sure that was good and safe. Crazy. Don't forget my banjo. That's a, he's pretty dedicated when it comes to that stuff. <laughs> All right, hey, I'm bound for the kingdom. Now this is a good one. I love this song. It's got a relaxed, got a little swing feel to it. So y'all enjoy it. All right, don't sit out there like knots on logs. Sing, okay? Have a good. Day. You may ask me. Here we go. You may ask me where I'm headed. And I know I'll have a mansion And I know I'll have a crown Well, I'm bound for the kingdom of the free Yes, I'm bound for the kingdom of the blessed and the free And my Jesus the free. Well, I'm going to a country where they say we'll never die. will be endless joy and glory there for me. Yes, I know I live forever in that city in the sky. Well, I'm bound for the kingdom of the free. Yes, I'm bound for the kingdom of the blessed and the free. And my Jesus is coming after me. There is nothing to compare with the glory. I'm bound for the kingdom of the free. Let's do that chorus on the fellow one time. Yes, I'm bound for the kingdom 
of the blessed and the free. And my Jesus soon is coming after me. There is nothing to compare with the glory over there. Yes, I'm bound for the kingdom of the free. Amen. Good job. See, y'all can sing. It's a very musical church. Listen, this next one is a medley of um, stuff that I put together. Just hang on. You'll be all right. I call it a heaven medley, but anyway, here we go. When the, tr- when the roll is called up yonder, all, you know that, right? When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more And the morning breaks eternal bright and fair When the saved of earth shall gather over on the other shore And the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there When the roll is called up yonder called up yonder when the roll is called up yonder when the roll is called up yonder I'll be there I've got a home in glory land that outshines the sun I've got a home in glory land that outshines the sun I've got a home in glory land that outshines the sun way beyond the blue sun when this life is o'er, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. Cap up real good. Thank you. Miss Lacey, come on.
ahead. Folks, there will come a day. There will come a day. And I hope on that day that you'll be able to say, I will rise to go with the one who died on the cross for you and for me. Amen. Will you stand with me? There's a peace I've come to know Though my heart and flesh may fail And there's an anchor for my soul I can say it is well Jesus has overcome And the grave is overwhelmed The victory is won And He is risen from the dead And I will rise when He calls my name No more sorrow, no more pain I will rise on eagle's wings before my God fall on my knees and rise I will rise there's a day that's drawing near when this darkness breaks to light And the shadows disappear And my faith shall be my eyes Jesus has overcome And the grave is overwhelmed The victory is won And He is risen from the dead And I will rise when He calls my name. No more sorrow and no more pain. I will rise on eagle's wings before my God. Fall on my knees and rise. I will rise And I hear the voice of many angels sing Worthy is the Lamb And I hear the cry of every longing heart Worthy is the Lamb And I hear the voice of many angels sing, Worthy is the Lamb. And I hear the cry of every longing heart, Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. And I will rise when He calls my name. No more sorrow and no more pain. I will rise on eagle's wings before my God. Fall on my knees and rise. Today for the sacrifice of your son on the cross for our sins. We thank you that we can come to this place and we can worship you and we can worship him and we can read your word. And our hearts can be stirred as you move among us. As you show us who we need to be and how much more like your son we need to be. Father, bless Brother Nathan tonight as he stands before us and speaks from your holy word. The things you placed upon his heart. 
Help us to hear tonight, Father, not with just our ears, but with, with our hearts. And to leave this place a changed people. Thank you for your love and for your grace and for your mercy and for the hope that one day we will rise to spend eternity in heaven with you. And it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. This evening, turn again with me, if you will, to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 15. And tonight we are going to continue our story of the prodigal son. I was asked specifically, well, what about the elder brother? Wasn't the younger brother enough? I had uh, had this on my heart and on my mind and, and, and had my thoughts kind of together. And this afternoon, I, I looked over and made some changes and thought about some things. And I thought about this. You know, it's not proper and not right to just finish this story with just the story of the prodigal. Because there was another son. Now, the accusation that was made was this, remember? The Pharisees. And the scribes saw the Lord Jesus. And they looked at him and they said, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. Oh, the disdain that they had for the Lord. But I want you to know, Jesus showed them in a parable that that is exactly the reason why he came. He began with a story of a lost sheep that was found. A lost coin that was found. And a lost son that was found. Now I want to share with you how great the grace of God really is. The grace of God is sufficient enough to save sinners. They be, may be sinners that find themselves in places of the world. Maybe people who are living lives that bring shame upon themselves and their families. I want you to know that the umbrella of sinners includes drunkards. It includes adulterers. It includes gamblers. It includes cheaters. It includes thieves. It includes murderers. It includes all of the bad people that we think about of this earth. All of the rotten people. All of the, the bad folks that we may sit here tonight and think about. It includes all of them. But I want you to know something, my friend. The grace of God doesn't stop there. It is not only sufficient enough to save the one that we generally look at as sinners, but it's sufficient enough to save even the religious it's sufficient enough to save those who may even think that they're saved and really not. It is sufficient enough to save those whose daddies are preachers. It's sufficient enough to save those whose daddies are deacons. It's sufficient enough to save those who have been raised in their church all, uh, all their life. They've never missed a meeting. They've never missed an eating meeting. Amen. They've never missed a Sunday school. They've never missed anything. They've always been there. I want you to know something, my friend. Whether you find yourself in whatever place you find yourself in tonight, I want you to know that the grace of God is sufficient to save your soul. And we find that in the story of the elder brother. The younger one went off, and he left, took his inheritance, and it was gone just like that. And then he came to himself, and he came home. I tend to believe in my mind, just as I imagine this story, and if you think of it different, that's okay. We don't know a lot of the details, but I think he returned home maybe sometime in the afternoon. Maybe he had gotten up early that morning, said it's time to go home, and he went home. And he got to the house. Apparently there's plenty enough time to kill the fatted calf, slaughter it, butcher it, cook it. Let's just say smoke it, amen? <laughs> Barbecue it, that's right. Prepare the feast, invite all of the guests, and the sun had begun to set. And here comes his older brother. 
beginning where we left off this morning. In verse 25 of Luke chapter 15, now his elder son was in the field. And he came and drew nigh to the house, and he heard music and dancing. And he called one of the servants and asked them what these things meant. And he said unto him, Thy brother is come. Thy father hath killed the fatted calf, and because he had received him safe and sound. And he was very angry. It would not go in. Therefore came his father out and entreated him. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I do serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, which hath devoured all, your living all, devoured all of it, thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. He said unto him, Son, thou art ever with me, and all that I have is thine. It was meet that we should make merry and be glad. For this thy brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. May the Holy Spirit bless his word this evening. The story, as we mentioned, of the younger brother speaks to sinners. Now Jesus speaks directly to the scribes and to the Pharisees. His grace is sufficient enough to save all. I want us to notice, first of all, in the context of this, that this elder brother was not a lazy brother. This elder brother was probably not a dreamer. This elder elder brother was not one to maybe go uh, astray very often. He was one that was a worker. In other words, he was one that got up and did what Daddy said. He was one that went to the fields and he was one that labored. And in our story tonight, he represents someone who is faithfully and busily doing good deeds in the world. They're not always bad things. And generally, as we look at people like this, we say, boy, oh boy, boy, aren't they super special? Aren't they special people for all the things that they do? And don't get me wrong, doing good deeds is right and well and perfect. But I want you to know that good deeds never take the place of accepting what God did for you On Calvary's cross. It never does. And we see that he was a worker in this. He was busy. But busy does not always mean blessed. He occupied his time and he stayed busy in those fields. He stayed at the house. He stayed busy working for the Father. And friend, I want you to know that I know many people that are busy. They're busy, busy, busy. And it seems like life is busier today than it's ever been. We've got more modern conveniences than we've ever had. But at the same time, it seems like we never have time for the really important things. We are busy people, but busyness does not always mean a blessed life. Not at all. There are oftentimes Christian folk who find themselves so wrapped up in the work of God that they don't have time for the Lord. And friend, I want to tell you something. Nothing can take place with spending time with your Heavenly Father. But finally, also, service does not always indicate some type of spirit or a spiritual type of work. You can do the right things, but you can also do them for the wrong reasons. You can do things out of duty. You can do things out of obligation. You can do things out of responsibility. You can do things for all that. But I want you to know something. God is the very one who can look in your heart and see what your motives are. It doesn't matter your area of service. It doesn't matter how great you may think you are or how little you may think you are. It is important that you do it and you do it with the right reasons. Now, I don't know this man's reasons. We aren't given those thoughts. We're not given what's going on in his heart. But I tend to think in his mind that he was faithfully working. He was busy working because he knew one day it was all going to be his. Now, friend, I want you to know something. No doubt about it, the younger son had gotten his portion. And now we find the elder son. and He's busy out working. But, friend, I want to tell you something. You cannot honestly tell me that his heart was right because I want you to notice what come out of it. I want you to notice that he was a wrathful man. He was an angry man. He was very wrathful. Busy people wonder why other people aren't busy. There's a story in the Bible of where Jesus was coming from Jericho and headed toward Jerusalem. Maybe, or maybe he was going the other way. I don't know. He was busy. 
But I want you to know he stopped at a little town called Bethany. And over there in Bethany, where Lazarus lived, he had two sisters named Mary and Martha. And he went by their house, as he often did on his journeyings through there. And, and he would stop there and, and, and visit with them. And we find in the story that, that Martha had gone into the kitchen, if you will, and she had began preparing the meal and getting things ready. And Mary just stayed in the living room. She wouldn't go in there. She wouldn't tend to the, the supper or help her sister out. She just fat sat at the feet of Jesus, listening to His Word, worshiping at His feet. And Martha come out of that kitchen, and boy, she was hot. Woo! I want to tell you something. I had no idea. I just had a brother. It was just me and him. We fought good enough, okay? But I tell you what, you, you ladies that have sisters, son, I've got two girls now, and my stars, nasty, woo, awful, hateful things to each other. And their poor mama. Because I leave. I ain't, I ain't, but you know, I'll tell you right now, I'm getting out of there. Mama deal with that. But I want you to know something. Martha come out and boy, she was mad. She said, I, 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 Lord, you know, here I am working, slaving over a hot stove. Where's my sister? Send her in here. Rebuke her, Lord. Get on to her. Now, what's always amazed me, why didn't she just say something to Mary? Why didn't she just talk to her? Say, listen, girl, you know where you belong. Come on in here. But she went to the Lord. The Lord said, Martha, you're troubled about. You're cumbered. <laughs> you're overloaded. Mary had chosen this part. You made your choice. I want you to know something. It's very easy in service to the Lord, and I'm speaking to Christians here tonight, to get so busy and to get so involved and to get so tied up and to get all of this, and you look around and you're like, well, why, where, where's everybody else at? Where's everybody else at? Friend, I want you to know something. Do your service for the Lord. Unholy anger reveals a hardened heart. Jesus taught elsewhere that sin, unholy anger that is led to sin, that is a sinful, wrathful anger, to be angry with your brother without a cause. He put that on the same level as murder. He said, listen, if you get mad and you get wrathful and you're angry without a cause, then it's sin. And it's wrong. Now think about this thing. There's no doubt in my mind that that elder brother probably, he had quite a responsibility after the younger son left. He had to pull up the slack, if you will. He had to carry the weight. And I'm sure he was upset and aggravated about it. But here he's returned. And his response, once he found out that he had come back, was not joy. It was not happiness. But the Bible says, Jesus said very plainly, that he was mad. He got angry and he was wrathful. I want you to know something. Unholy anger that's not tended to and dealt with ends up spewing out. Because listen to what happens next. He says in verse 28, he was angry and wouldn't go in. So the daddy come out. And he answering said to his father, Lo, these many years do I serve thee. Neither transgressed I at any time thy commandment. And yet thou never gavest me a kid that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon as this thy son was come, not my brother, but your son, which hath devoured thy living with harlots, thou hast killed for him the fatted calf. Oh, you know, when we get mad and we don't deal with it right, it's going to come out at some point, ain't it? I don't know about you, but I wear a size nine and a half in the mouth. You know what I'm talking about? You feel awful. If you truly want to serve the Lord and you've got anger in your heart and it spews forth, you feel bad about it. If you don't feel bad about it, I want to tell you something, something's wrong. Something's wrong. There have been times I've spewed forth and I'm so ashamed. I'm so embarrassed. I go and I try to make it right as quick as I can. I feel so bad. Because you can't ever take the words back. Oh, it hurts. This elder brother, he was bad. He just could not contain himself. He said to his father, who had just had one of the happiest days of his life, 
I'm talking about it was one of them days like when those boys were first born. I'm talking about it was like one of them days when those boys first professed Christ uh, uh, as their Savior and the Messiah that was coming. I'm talking about one of them days. It was a glorious day. His son had finally come back. Then he had to step out and had to deal with this and listen to this. Now, I don't know about you, but I'll tell you what. I see something in this elder brother that I know is a problem from time to time in my life. I want you to know that, first of all, he compared his deeds with those of his brothers. Now, let's just be honest here. Let's just shoot one another straight about this. So let's not mealy mouth around about it. That boy had no business loading up and leaving the house the way he did. That younger brother didn't. He should have stayed at the house where he belonged. We understand he wasted his substance. And the elder brother decided to go ahead and name names and say what he wasted at home. But I want you to know something. He was no worse a sinner than the elder brother was. You see, here's a problem that we have that's in our nature. It began in the very beginning. As soon as God came to Adam and Eve, right after the fall, immediately God looked down to Adam. I mean, Adam was responsible. He was the head of the, head of the house. He was the one that had heard the commandment before Eve ever came along. He knew what he was supposed to do. And he looked down to Adam, and what did Adam do? He blamed his wife. And he looked to Eve, he said, what have you done? He blamed the serpent. You see, it's always easier to cover our sin and to try to shove it off onto other people. And friend, I want to tell you something. That's what we can be very, very easily led into. You see, the problem with his elder son was that he compared his righteousness with the unrighteousness of his younger brother. Now, I'm going to give you a little secret about how to resolve this issue. I'm going to share with you a little, a little ditty, if you will, about how to deal with it if you struggle with this. I want you to know that there is no person on this earth, nobody... That is a standard of righteousness that you are to follow. Now think about it. As far as I know, there wasn't but one man who walked this earth who was perfect and righteous and holy in every way. And that was the Lord Jesus Christ. And my friend, when you compare your righteousness with the righteousness of Christ, guess what? You're always going to come in short. You'll be the one saying, woe is me, for I'm undone. You'll be the one saying, I'm the one in the transgression. You'll be the one beating upon your dre- your breast and saying, Lord, I'm unworthy to be here. Because, my friend, He is holy and righteous in every way. But finally, I want you to know He cried out for fairness. Fairness. Daddy, He took His portion and He left. And now you're just going to let Him come home. And you killed for Him. The fatted calf. Now, I don't know what this calf was exactly being held for. I've read different theories and different thoughts. I've had a few thoughts myself. I don't know. But I tend to believe that the elder brother figured it was going to be for something special. And no matter what, he didn't feel like the younger brother was worthy to receive it. He wanted something fair. I want to tell you something, my friend. God is not fair. Now, I know that's that just, well, the preacher, now, wait a minute. Brother Josh, we love you, but now we got your brother up here. He's saying some crazy stuff, okay? God is not fair, and I'll tell you why. If he was fair, do you know what that prodigal deserved? If he was fair, you know what that elder brother deserved when he popped off like that? Daddy had knocked his teeth down and said, I know my daddy would have. You know what I deserve? I'm thankful that God's not fair. I'm thankful that He looks down on me through eyes of mercy, full of grace and love and compassion. And, and He looks upon me as a child, as, a, as one of His own. And He says, as a father uh, whom the Lord loveth, and He pitieth His children, He gives me His mercy. You see, here's the thing about God. God is just. And there's a difference between being fair and just. You can sit around your entire life saying, well, poor me. How did I get in this state? How come God does this to me? How come God... Friend, I want you to know that God has dealt justly with you as He does with everybody else. And He's equal in His judgment and in His justice. Let me share a verse with you out of 1 Peter chapter 3, and verse 18. For Christ 
also has suffered, if one suffered for the sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. What does that mean? That means that God said, I'm not going to do what's fair. What's fair is me sparing my only begotten Son and not having to let Him have to face a death of a cross and dying and being buried. I'm going to spare Him and condemn you. But my friend, God is just. And He said, I'm going to take the only one that I have ever been pleased with and I'm going to offer Him up. The just for the unjust, so that you can be saved. That's what was wrong with this young man. He didn't realize, hey, my righteousness is not bound to my brother. My righteousness is bound to Christ. And all the religions of the world today are busy about comparing righteousness with righteousness in comparison to people. Well, we're not as bad as them. Well, I'm not as, as unholy as them. Well, I hadn't done as bad things as they've done. Friend, I want you to know we're all on the same level with God. We're all sinners and come short of the glory of God. But I want you to know something. I mentioned a minute ago that what this young man deserved was a good slap right across the mouth. And I'm not condoning that, by the way, okay? But I'm thankful the Father handled things a little bit different. I want you to notice there in verse 28, it says that he got mad, the elder brother did, he wouldn't go in. So, Daddy, come out. Notice that word entreated. The word entreated there comes from a word that means to call near or to the side of, and is meant to produce a particular effect, especially exhortation, hope, or comfort. In other words, he didn't come out there mad. Now, I'm just going to tell you, I'm a daddy. And I love my children. The Bible says I have to, okay? You know what I'm talking about? I love them. There's sometimes I don't like them that much, you know? And don't sit there and judge me, because I know. Okay? And man, you see your children act that way. Oh. Especially at church, you know? Why you got to act like a heathen at the church? Supposed to be there to worship. I know how I'd have come out if my child was sitting out there sulking like that. But here he comes. And he says, Son, I'm here to help you. Son, I'm here to bring you in. He didn't come out there with a bullwhip. He didn't come out there with the intention of straightening him out. He come out there with the intention on bringing him into the house. I want you to listen to the first word out of his mouth. <laughs> Remember what the elder brother said. You know, you, you killed for him the fatted calf. This your son that wasted everything. Here he is in all this. Verse 31. He said unto him, Son. Not boy. I knew when I was I was in trouble when I ever heard the term boy. Hey, boy. Or there was something to do. Boy, pick that up and bring that over here to me. I knew that was, I mean, we knew. Mom, she used the full legal name that was on the birth certificate. She always did. That's just that way. Here the father comes out and he says, son, his relationship was not lost. His position was not lost. He had a couple things that he needed to be reminded of. First of all, he said, Son, thou art ever with me. You need to remember, boy, you're my son. You live in this house. You're a part of this family. You're here. You're mine. My friend, you cannot find in the world what you find with God. There is no greater reward that you'll ever find on this earth than being in the personal presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's, there's nothing sweeter than fellowshipping with your Heavenly Father. There's just nothing like it. He said, you're ever with me. And then he said, all that I have is thine. Now, here was the rules back then. And if Brother Josh wants to follow him, I don't mind. 
When it comes to dividing up the inheritance, the elder brother generally got two-thirds. <clears throat> and the other sibling got the rest. So, you know, if he wants to follow that, I'm all for tradition. You know, amen. <laughs> but I want you to know something. What he spoke was truth. He said, you've got it. My friend, if you're a child of the king, the Bible says that you have been made an heir of God and a joint heir with Christ. It's not a happenstance. It's not a hope so. It's not a, well, maybe one day. Friend, just like every song we've sung tonight, my friend, heaven is ours. It's ours. And we're going there. Just as sure as we showed up here tonight, guess what? If you're a child of God, you're going to show up in heaven one day. I don't know when. I don't know how. I don't know what's going to take place. But I know it for a fact. What a great blessing that is. All that I have is thine. And then he said this. It was important that we got together. It was meat that we should make merry and be glad. The father was gently correcting him here. He was saying, listen, son, this was right and proper. This is what we should have done. This is how it ought to be done. You see, when God corrects us, when God works in our lives, when God does these things, whatever they are, whether we consider them good or bad, whatever, it works for our good. And when He comes along and admonishes us, He wants us to be a changed person from within and without. He says, I want you to become more like my Son, Jesus Christ. That's His goal. But then I want you to notice something interesting. And I've always thought, you know, what an abrupt end. Why just stop here? Why not tell the rest of the story? I always wonder about all these things. And I don't know, I hope when we get to heaven we know everything there is. And if, if there are things that we still need to learn, I, I just, I can't wait to learn them. Because it seems like the story ends. I wonder, did he go on in? Because we're not told that. But that's not what's important. I, I wonder if, you know, the younger son stayed at the house and didn't leave again. I, I don't know. But I do know this. It ends with the gospel. It ends with what's most important. Oh, I love this last verse, verse 32. Listen to what the Father says. What a great blessing this is. Oh, it just rejoices my heart. For this, thy brother was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. There was a lost sheep. It didn't die. But it was found. There was a lost coin. It didn't die. It's an inanimate object. But it was found. But when it came to the Son, Jesus said, He's dead. You cannot be made alive until you recognize and realize that you are dead. The Bible says, The soul that sins it shall die the wages of sin is death i want you to know if you don't know the lord jesus christ as your savior this evening you need to understand there is not but one thing separating you and god tonight and that is your sin but i want you to know god has made a way and that way was through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. For Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Oh, my friend, I want you to know there is but one way to heaven, and that's through the Lord Jesus Christ. You've got to realize and recognize that you're a sinner, and you need to be saved. You need to realize and recognize there's not but one way to get to heaven. And that's by putting your faith and trust in Christ as your Savior. I'm going to give you a little extra verse. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to John. The Gospel of John, chapter 11. I'm going to close on something a little different than what I planned, but I think this is so important. I mentioned before about the two battling sisters. And boy, it would have made a Mari Povich show, I'm telling you. Lazarus had died. 
the Lord tarried his coming. He found out about his sickness. He finally came after four days of him being dead. I want you to know that Jesus is never late. He's always on time. He told his disciples, I'm glad for you that I wasn't there to heal him. Because I'm going to do something a whole lot greater. Oftentimes we think, well, if we can just get a little bit of relief. Friend, I want to tell you something. We're fixing to get the biggest relief we've ever had. Oh, man. Here they come. The sisterhood. Martha, in verse 24, said unto him, I know he's going to rise again in the resurrection. That was a response to what Jesus said, because Jesus said, your brother's going to rise again. And her, being a good Jewish girl, she believed in the resurrection of the dead. She believed that one day Lazarus was going to rise again. You laid to rest this afternoon, one of your sisters in Christ. And you have faith that she's going to rise again. Amen? I mean, that, you go to the cemetery with that hope in you, the hope of glory. But here we find the Lord giving a little bit of a clarification. He looked at her. He said, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. And then he asked her this, which I will ask you tonight. Believest thou this? You've got to believe. It's so simple. It's so plain. Be saved tonight. We're going to stand. We're going to have a word of prayer as we prepare for invitation. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your blessed and your holy word. And Lord, I have no idea where anyone in this building stands tonight in relation to you. But I know that you know. And Lord, I pray that you let them know. If it's salvation they need, I pray they be saved tonight. If it is repentance that is required, renewing of their walk with you, I pray that it would transpire. Above all else, Father, I pray that the love of Christ would be shed abroad in every heart and life tonight. For I ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. As we sing tonight, whatever your need be, you come. Slay.